Happy 2021. The podcast is back. I stepped away for a while um, for a number of reasons. Um, one was just, it, it's really hard to talk about our cities right now. And and, uh, uh, and another one is just simply that I just don't have a lot of time uh, alone anymore. My, my wife works from home and she's very much a homebody. And so I, I don't get much chance like I have today to record content um, in, in a quiet setting. And obviously it's winter out. <laughs> so going outside and recording in the, you know, stifling cold wind, I think the wind chills like, you know, five today or something like that here in Rochester, New York. Um, it just it provides, it just makes for a lot of complications. Um, you know, I've, I've been writing, I've been doing some stuff and, uh, there's a lot of stuff on the horizon. I'm, I'm very excited about uh, a lot of content to share that I'm, <clears throat> I'm excited about. But, you know, I've cut down a little bit uh, because, you know, this is the time I've, – I've said this before. This is nothing new. I've said that this is the time to pause and listen and just observe. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here and, and and really, you know, I'm, I'm writing very little. And, you know, it's, it's because this is the time for, I think, all of us to step back and listen and realize that we're not uh, – we urbanists are not driving the show. Not that we ever did, but – you know, right now, more than ever, it's important to really listen uh, to what's going on and, and the voices in our communities and our cities and what's what's happening. I think it's interesting that, you know, 2020 dealt a very difficult blow to the American city, right? Um, almost cataclysmic, um, you know, the small business loss that we've had as a result of COVID-19 um, is, is just enormous. Uh, it's terrible. The businesses that are still open are hanging by a thread. Um, you know, the, uh, our transportation systems are, are being, uh, pressed. I mean, it's, it's the, the, the results of COVID's effect on our, our, on our mass transit systems is, is almost apocalyptic. It's, it's terrible. It's really bad. I mean, this, this year has really waged war on our cities that had been making progress uh, for, you know, a couple of decades now. Had really been starting to kind of stumble their way toward finding a strong foothold, some cities more than others. You know, how many steps did we take back? How many, how many, how many leaps did we take back after just grinding out decades of progress uh, in our cities? Um, but not all hope is lost because, you know, you can learn something from what's happened. And I think there's two very, very important lessons that our cities have taught us in the last year. One is uh, that we have a, a terribly uh, overbuilt, inefficient uh, system of, of infrastructure. We have a lot of buildings, a lot of highways, a lot of roads. We have a lot of stuff uh, in our cities. And, you know, while, you know, our societies have been changing from a go out and get it to a come to me culture uh, with things like Amazon, Grubhub and, 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 and stuff like that, I, I think that, you know, that that was coming. I mean, we more and more we were doing our shopping online. We were doing our grocery shopping uh, online. You know, what COVID did was it gave more people the opportunity or, or rather the, the incentive to to shop remotely or to order food remotely or to, you know, do all the things that you used to go out into your community to get uh, to have that come to you. And that's just the reality of things. That's just where things were going in our cities. And, uh, you know, that, that, that really that really casts a shadow on the amount of 
physical infrastructure that we have because it was interesting you know you look at you know some of these big old factories warehouses and and and, and things like that in our cities and you know uh, 50 years ago those were manufacturing plants those are places of, of tremendous uh, manufacturing innovation um you know in our country uh, automation kind of uh, uh you know took that you know, remove that that uh, that need uh, in our cities for so many people working in you know working machines and plants. So automation took over. Uh, we could mass produce uh, at, a, at a much uh, higher level here in this country. Uh, also, jobs were shipped overseas. Um, automation, though, uh, you know, is is really the the key factor of that. The reason why we have. Uh, so little manufacturing anymore. Um, uh, so, you know, you, you have that. And then it was cool because in the last 20 years or so, um, kind of experiential culture um, was replacing those manufacturing environments. So it's really interesting because <laughs> experiential uh, urban environments are, are a thing we, we are looking to avoid. And look, that's not going to last forever. But this time has pushed us much more into a uh, stay close to home culture and 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 withdraw culture, and that's going to have lasting effects. I mean, people are going to want to get back out there, absolutely, but it's going to have lasting effects. It's you know the the people that you know started you know during COVID started you know picking up their groceries curbside instead of going to the store. Do you think that's really going to change that much? I think people had the opportunity to kind of test this out and it's working for a lot of families. I know uh, several different families um, that have not set foot in a grocery store since COVID um, really, really started running rampant in this country. So we're left with, you know, all this infrastructure that we just don't need anymore. You know, I think the high end, the big high end restaurant is going to, you know, uh, you know, you're going to see fewer of those and more kind of the small takeout places. Um, you're going to see more food trucks than restaurants. You're going to see more of the portable experience. I've written about all of this, right? But it's something to take. It's something to take, you know, from this time. And it's something that COVID has taught us. Stay small. Um, because the, the time of, of massive infrastructure is over. Uh, the question is, how do we repurpose the infrastructure in our cities that we can't use, the massive office buildings, um, you know, when, when more and more people are going to be working remotely? And again, all this was coming before COVID. It just, the COVID just accelerated it. And that's the real question about our cities. How do we restructure our cities such that they provide a better experiential um, uh, existence while still uh, giving people space and, and not committing space to just giant buildings. Um, you know, uh, if we're building buildings now, what are, what are we doing? How are we building them? How are we building them such that, um, you know, if you're building housing, that's one thing. But if you're building, you know, retail space, if you're building office space, um, do we really need that right now? We have an overabundance of infrastructure um, in in this country, uh, our road spaces. You know, as as you know, remote work becomes more of a thing. I get it. You know, traffic is still very much alive and well. The car is still very much alive and well, and um, you know, the, the, we 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 still need roads in this country. But you know, you're seeing c- cities, communities trim down lanes uh, and 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 realize that you know they need to cater to a kind of a different environment. Um, uh, for both safety purposes and for the fact that we're just learning that more lanes uh, don't lead to a better uh, traffic experience. So, you know, when we talk about infrastructure, we, we have to talk about how to slim our cities down. How do we put our cities on a diet? You know, a lot of times we talk about road diets. I'm talking about city diets. 
How do we take, uh, you know, a lot of infrastructure and repurpose that infrastructure in a way that's, that, that works at the human level, uh, that gives us space to kind of sprawl while still providing adequate density, especially on the residential side. And we want to incentivize small business growth. I think that's going to be key going forward is, you know, that the, the, this has been such a crazy difficult time for small businesses to survive. I think we're going to need to um, really subsidize small business growth at a level we've never seen before, at least temporarily, to make sure that our cities are still unique places, um, you know, and still have unique places where people can go uh, shop and, and find uh, unique uh, food shopping and, and, and retail experiences. I think that's really key. So that's one thing that I think we're, uh, we discovered in, in, uh, in, in 2020. The other thing is... Um, we learned in 2020, I mean, people in the know um, knew this going into it, but I think 2020 has really made the fact that cities have for a very long time been sources of extraordinary exclusion and racism. Um, it's made that idea popular. I want to say popular because it's the wrong word. It's, it's introduced a lot of people that had no idea that our cities, um, via redlining, via you know a hundred other uh, different uh, kind of uh, constructs, um, have been very exclusive places and have worked very hard uh, to keep uh, uh, Black Americans, um, you know, kind of uh, settled in, in in certain neighborhoods and keeping uh, creating barriers between Black and White America uh, in our American cities. I think I think the Black Lives Matter movements the protests uh, have really, really brought light, um, shined a light uh, on the fact that our, our cities need to reform with regard to equity. And I think that's a huge conversation on the table today in our cities. And it's an extraordinarily difficult conversation to approach because there's been so much damage done. And this is news to most of white urban America. Uh, it is not news to black urban America. And we need to reform uh, our cities and with regard to access um, and, and, and opportunity. What's neat is, you know, I'm on, um, I'm seeing the chatter from, you know, uh, organizations that are in development organizations uh, in our cities. And all of a sudden where these um, construction and development companies, um, you know, uh, we're really looking to create, you know, the, the high-end experience and, and everything like that. Now, uh, you know, the, the, the meetings, the stakeholder meetings are revolving around equity. They're revolving around the, the sensitivity, the newfound sensitivity towards, oh, yeah, I guess this is a thing. <laughs> you know, we, we basically, you know, bulldozed uh, black neighborhoods uh, and built freeways on them and gentrified them and, you know, and, and, and just displaced, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of families. Um, you know, now that's coming to light and now, uh, uh, you know, developers are, are really having to confront this head on because people are asking these questions. How are you creating more equitable space in, this, in, in your cities? They're not asking anymore, how are you creating a vibrant, exciting place that's going to, you know, increase tax revenue? Um, they're asking those questions too, but along with those questions is a big one. Um, how do you, how are you contributing to equity uh, in our cities and our communities? As people, as more and more people get more turned on to the idea that, that this is, this is, these are wounds we have to heal if we want to move forward uh, in our, in our urban communities. And I, I, it's sad that it's taken this. It's sad that it's taken this long. It's sad that it's taken, um, you know, um, 
the, you know, the extreme measures that, that happened this year uh, for that to come to light. But the fact is, it is coming to light. And I'm seeing uh, developers really respond uh, positively to this. They're bringing in, um, uh, you know, uh, people who understand, um, you know, the, 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 the kind of the, the cultural shift that is happening, that understand redlining, that understand, um, you know, um, kind of urban uh, design and, and really, really addressing just the deep roots of racism uh, in our cities, in our communities. So those are two really important things that we can't dismiss when we talk about 2020 with regard to our cities. Uh, has it been a, an extraordinarily difficult uh, year for urban America? Absolutely. Uh, and it, that, that impact will ripple and continue. But we've also learned uh, a lot uh, in this time about our cities. Uh, we've learned how resilient they are or they aren't. We've learned uh, that, you know, continuing to build massive uh, elements of infrastructure is probably not the, the best thing right now. Um, we have to create infrastructure that is easy to um, maintain, that appeals to the, the human level, that, you know, increases density while, um, while still, you know, while still retaining flexibility. Let me say that. I think that's the key is, is providing more flexible infrastructure in our cities and converting the infrastructure that we have to a more kind of flexible use. Um, shared space, smaller spaces so that small businesses uh, can uh, move into retail spaces instead of just chains. I think those are keys. Um, and also, uh, again, you know, the the, the equity piece of our cities, the fact that our cities have been tremendously inequitable and have been designed to be inequitable, inequitable uh, for a very long time, for nearly 100 years and more. So with those realizations, as, as those realizations become more well-known, uh, we can take a better path, um, as hard as those pills are to swallow, we can maybe take a better path uh, into the future uh, for our cities and incorporate those lessons into what we build tomorrow, both uh, in our infrastructure and in our relationships. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Have a great day. Be safe. Take care. Bye-bye.